some people stock up on food. I'm like, snow's coming, get more wine. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Type A for Anxious, where we sit down and talk about things that make us anxious and what we do to solve them based on articles we've read to the table and just have an open discussion. My name is Josie Savage, and I am joined today by the lovely Dorothy England. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us. Really quick, we just like to say that we are not healthcare professionals. So if you got some serious problems, we are probably not the ones to go to for a prescription, but maybe some laughter. Josie, how's your week been? Well, I got my first vaccine on when yesterday, yesterday. Well, when people are listening to this, it will have been a few days later. So a few days ago, I got my first vaccine. So far going well, I I got Moderna. I will say it was kind of a weird apocalyptic experience. I went to um, a college campus. So it was the military and like the National Guard all there facilitating and giving you the vaccines. And it just felt weird. I've never had a vaccine like that. So I was really nervous and I actually had an anxiety attack right after they gave me the shot. Um, and I had to put my head between my knees. I thought I was going to pass out and, but I didn't want to cause a spectacle because I knew it wasn't from the vaccine. It was from my brain. Yeah. (laughs) Cause I was just hyperventilating myself. But once I got over that, I feel great. Sore arm, nothing else. So I think, you know, I know there's people who feel you should or shouldn't get the vaccine. I respect everyone's choice. And, but for me, I think that um, I'm happy that I made this decision. Woohoo! I, I also got vaccinated. So that was the highlight of my week. And I also got Moderna. So that We're was Moderna sisters. Uh, Same day okay. too, right? Yeah. I also got it on Wednesday. And yeah, I think I felt it did feel a little weird because it was also we were surrounded by so many people. And that was the first time that everybody I was surrounded by so many people that weren't trying to leave as soon as they came in, if that makes sense. Like they had to sit down, wait 15 minutes after you got the shot just to make sure you weren't having any adverse effects. And um, yeah, I mean, my arm does hurt. My husband's crazy. After we got it, he's like, let's go for a bike ride, 10 miles. So did my husband. (laughs) I was like, you're nuts. Why can't we just go home and have a martini and celebrate? Exactly. I would be way more on board. So we went for a bike ride. uh, And the whole reason I actually went was because I really wanted to eat Doritos. And so I figured, because I did feel a little nauseous. And for some reason, Doritos just make me feel better. It's the cool ranch. They help me not have a yucky (laughs) wrench. (laughs) I love a good cool ranch, <laughs> but it's funny because we've talked about ranch dressing before and I do not like ranch dressing, but I love cool ranch Doritos. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yep, so I agree, but I'm doing well. Otherwise, it has been a good week. There is something else I want to talk about really quick. So, of course, if you listen to our last episode, um, we talked a little bit about our experiences with anxious eating and snacking, and I shared some personal stuff um, having to do with me having an eating disorder. I won't get too much in it, but since sharing, I have felt this weight lifted and has been just incredible. And I was telling my husband, I feel more in control of myself too. I, I just feel really capable. And so I just really appreciate that there's this safe space that I can share 
So, well, first, I think that's great that you feel like sharing helped get a weight off your shoulders because I mean, that's really why you and I do this is to just have a space for us to share. And then if it does end up helping someone, great. Mm-hmm. That's um, the real weight that I needed to get rid of, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The physical weight. It's literally yeah. just the emotional weight. Exactly. Which <laughs> emotional <laughs> weight, I think weighs even more. Oh yeah. So <laughs> well, that's awesome. Did you hear it's supposed to snow? Yeah, I am pissed. <laughs> I, I don't think it's really going to be a big deal, but I am not ready. I was just starting to get into spring mode. Mm-hmm. Now I was like, oh, maybe I'll bring out my sandals and my dresses. And then I heard this news. I'm like, what the hell? I know. <laughs> like, no, no, I don't want to accept it. I'm kind of pushing it from my mind, but we do have four bottles of wine in the kitchen just in case. That's smart. You're, you're fully stocked <laughs> just in case there's a snowstorm. I'm ready. <laughs> Some people stock up in food. I'm like, snow's coming, get more wine. Yep. <laughs> So uh, Josie, what are we talking about today? All right. So today, guys, we're talking about toxic positivity, which I'm going to be honest, Dorothy came to me and said we should talk about this because it, you know, it does relate to anxiety and um, emotional health. And it's something I never thought of before. So this week, as I was reading up on it, I was really surprised to find out kind of what it was and how real it is. And how much toxic positivity is already in my life that I didn't Mm. even notice. Yeah. So really quick, I'm just going to give a definition of it just in case Mm -hmm. somebody doesn't know what it is. And they're like toxic, like toxins. Are you happy? Yes. (laughs) Happy to take toxins? No. Uh, Toxic positivity is the belief that no matter how dire or difficult a situation is, people should maintain a positive mindset. This attitude doesn't just stress the importance of optimism. It minimizes and denies any trace of human emotions that aren't strictly happy or positive. And I think I got this from a My Wellbeing article. I looked at a lot of articles, so I'll link the source there. But I think that's a great place to start because like, I didn't know what it was. And I feel like, you know, based on that definition, because I read a couple different definitions too, and they were basically like that. I think one of the hard things about it based on reading is it's doesn't mean that positivity is bad. Mm-hmm. It's when it gets to the point that you are undermining someone's troubles mm-hmm. or not speaking to it. So not giving them a chance or not giving yourself a chance to really talk through the bad stuff and just overlooking it with positivity. Does that sound correct? Yeah, I read this really fun quote that I will share. Um, This article from mywellbeing.com, this woman who is a My Wellbeing community member, she said, toxic positivity is like when you're seeking help and showing a doctor your open wound and having them sprinkle it with glitter. I thought that was so funny because it's so true. It's, it's basically you're exposing yourself. You're making yourself vulnerable. And so it's basically like somebody just being like, Oh, be happy. Take the sticker only positive vibes or like things could be so much worse. And just not really looking at what the real issue is and just trying to force you to be something that you're not in that moment and really undermining your skills of getting through it. I love that because Glitter, I feel like is such a good way to think about it because glitter is fun. Mm. Glitter is pretty. Glitter is glitter, you know? 
you love a little bit of glitter, right? Yeah. But you can overdo glitter. That's kind of what po- toxic positivity is, is it's not saying positivity is bad. Positivity is really good mm-hmm. for mental health, but you can overdo it. So and this is just my opinion. I think it's a balance of being able to know when it's appropriate to be positive and when it's helpful and constructive to be positive versus yeah. when it might be shaming to be positive or guilt-driven. Well, and people always say too, that glitter is one of those things that you end up finding everywhere. So it's kind of true. You know, you can find happiness everywhere and anywhere, but when you have too much of it, fuck, it's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Like glitter gets stuck everywhere. And you're like, I still have glitter on me from last year. Right. And, you know, maybe when somebody is feeling or giving off toxic positivity, it is something that kind of sticks with you in the long term, mm. just like glitter. Yeah. And you have to think too, like if somebody is just being like super sparkly and super happy and just not really actually actively listening to what you're saying, and they're just kind of there. Sometimes I've had this too, where when I'm upset, I don't really want to see people who are happy. I don't want them to be all bubbly. And I know that I've been told that I'm a pretty bubbly person. So I'm 100% sure that there are people out there who have been like, Dorothy is so annoying because she's so bubbly and they may not be feeling that same way. So in the, you know, in a similar regard, sometimes you just need to feel shitty in order to get through it. Yeah. When you're feeling really bad or going through something really bad, instead of wanting somebody to say, oh, it's all gonna be fine. What you really want is for somebody to just say, that fucking sucks. That's terrible. I can't believe you're going through this. I'm so sorry. And then you just want to sit and, you know, it's almost like if you have a bad breakup, sometimes you want to sit and listen to a depressing song or an angry song because you're like, I just need to feel this. You don't want to listen to a positive song and just try to forget that you're upset. You know, I bet there are statistics out there. Unfortunately, I don't know about you, but I didn't look any of them up, but there, I, I know I've heard it before that there are just so many sad love songs. That is what most songs are about. You know, I love wallowing in my misery. Sometimes I need to cry. And well, this is kind of a different experience, like a different situation because it's not really a love song, but I will listen to Susan Boyle when she first auditioned for Britain's Got Talent and nobody believed in her. And then she starts singing and I, I like, I can feel myself like getting teared up about it. Just thinking about it. Like, I'm like, oh, she proved them all wrong. Like sometimes you just need to let it out. You just need to cry. And so, and sometimes I love getting anger out too. Mm-hmm. And I think of mo- like movies or shows I like to watch. Sometimes I just sit down, I'm in the mood for a really sad movie. And I'm just feeling it. I need to feel sad. I need to cry. I need to let it out. I don't want a happy comedy. But, and then sometimes I want to watch a slasher. You know, I want to mm-hmm. watch a horror film that is just terrifying because I want to feel that. Yeah. So it's almost like what you need in the moment and that's okay. I thought it was really interesting too, um, from the same article I was reading, they were talking, so there's this NYC therapist, Sharon Gunnup, and she described toxic positivity as the idea that someone can only show happiness or only be positive around others, and that those are the only feelings that would be accepted and then would help with mental or physical issues. She said, well, it's true that positive self-talk can improve mental health and self-esteem. It's not healthy or possible to deny all uncomfortable emotions. Not unlike toxic toxic masculinity, toxic positivity deems certain qualities or feelings as good 
good or bad, acceptable or unacceptable, and denies a person the experience of a full range of human emotions by discouraging the expression of bad or unacceptable. And that kind of relates to what you're saying. We are multifaceted human beings and we have so many different emotions and so many different things and so many different thoughts. And I think that, yeah, like if you're watching something and you're really feeling it, that could be an indication of what you're feeling at that time. Sometimes I listen to true crime podcasts because maybe something has happened to me and I'm afraid and maybe I'm looking for a tip. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm going to listen to it and go out and start killing anybody or anything. But you know what I mean? Like sometimes you just are feeling a certain fear or certain emotion and it's like you want to kind of feel validated through that and you want to get more information on it. Yeah, totally. And I think that feeling validated is a big part of it because Mm -hmm. I think when positivity becomes toxic is when the person who's upset doesn't feel validated by the other person. They don't feel like their emotions at the time are being acknowledged, but instead just being pushed over or overlooked. Well, and there's also something I read too that was saying that it's almost a form of gaslighting, which I know that that has become one of the words that has been a key word. Hmm. I listen to so many relationship podcasts and they always talk about gaslighting and something I didn't really think about until last year. I think maybe I had heard of it last year, before last year, but not really cognizantly knew what it was, if that makes sense. Like it wasn't, it was just kind of like a term that was like, oh yeah. But then it was like in the last year, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. This is a real thing. This is really affecting people. And, and so they were saying the connection between gaslighting and toxic positivity, that if you keep telling someone, oh, no, you're fine, you know, things are going to be okay, it could be worse, you're basically you're telling them to have this reaction of just shutting down. And you're basically saying that doesn't matter. Right now, it only matters mm-hmm. if you're happy. I wrote down a few sayings that are forms of toxic positivity and a lot of them are things I've said to people and things that people have said to me so I feel like we should say maybe some of these so one example is something bad happens to someone and then you or someone else says just stay positive or look on the bright side and I don't know about you but I don't know if I've said just stay positive, but I have definitely said maybe there's a silver lining or, you know, maybe something positive will come out of it. I have definitely said that. And I know people have said it to me as well. Yeah. So this is really interesting because I think I used to say, hey, it's going to be okay. You know, and like, it's almost like you're babying somebody. And of course, on the, on the flip side of that, when I'm feeling that way, like I know my husband has been like, hey, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, no, it's not. Shut up. Yeah. And, and that was my second one saying it's going to be okay. It's mm-hmm. all going to be fine. That's number two. And it's like, you're, you don't have a crystal ball. But yeah. And when I'm really upset and somebody, well, not just somebody, usually if it's family or my husband, especially mm-hmm. when he says it's going to be fine. My reaction is, how do you know that? And it's easy right. for you say that because you're not dealing with it. And it, to me at that point in time, I'm thinking it doesn't just all work out. I need, instead, I need you to either say this sucks or give me some constructive feedback. I think the way that I have been responding is when someone just mirrors back what I'm saying. Mm. And so if I'm like, oh my gosh, I messed up in work. It's so awful. And they're like, yeah, it's awful. (laughs) 
I don't know if that's a good example. Maybe that's a bad example because if I mess up at work, I don't want someone to be like, yeah, it's awful what you did. I have to give people some credit too, because I think sometimes you just don't know what to say when someone's mm -hmm. going through something. And it's just an automatic reaction to say something that falls in the lines of toxic positivity because you don't really know what to say. I mean, when I've consoled friends through a bad breakup or the passing of a family member, sometimes when they're grieving and they're, you know, telling me how they're feeling, it, it's hard to know what to say. You yeah. just want to say the right thing and you want to help, but there's nothing that can really help. You just need to be an ear. So sometimes you just fall into you're going to be okay. You'll get through this. You're strong. You know, sometimes you just fall into saying that. Yeah. And you're not meaning to walk over their emotions, but maybe it could seem that way. I had a conversation with a family member actually last night. And, you know, of course I've been doing the research for toxic positivity and she was sharing um, some stuff that's going on with one of her kids. That's actually really scary right now. And she um, has been really busy. And so she was sharing just this experience and I was thinking of, okay, what can I say to her that's going to make her feel heard? And so I tried to be like, wow, that's terrifying or how scary, you know, I can't imagine what that must be like. I imagine that, you know, because you love your daughter so much, this must be terrifying. And I kept trying to validate what, what it was, which was, it was scary. And, and once we got through that, like that point of the conversation where she was telling me something that was happening and I was like, okay that's scary. And I could get through that. Then we could start having a more um, productive conversation. I don't know if that's the right way. Cause not that it wasn't productive before, but it was more like, okay. Constructive. Like, yeah. Because then we were talking more about it and I made a suggestion and she was like, Hey, that might actually help. So instead of it being, you know, maybe it shouldn't come off as, you know, what are the solutions that we can find for a problem? Maybe it should just be addressing, yeah, this is a problem. This is really hard to get through. And then once you get to the, it's like layers, you know, once you get to the next layer or the next level, then you can start to figure out what the next step is. That's so true. And I think it is just making sure that, like you said, you're just validating what they're saying, but instead of trying to find a solution, maybe it's just simply saying, how do you feel about that? Or what I'm here to help if you need anything. Yeah. Um, you're, you're struggling. I just would love to help you. I don't know what would help, but I'm here if you need anything. Maybe it's just as simple as that. I think sometimes I also really like it. If I'm really upset, I like it sometimes if somebody is physically close to me or giving me a hug. And I know, you know, obviously right now we are in COVID times. And so that's something that may not be easily accessible, but just feeling that closeness, I think really matters too. And sometimes I know I've gotten mad at my husband <laughs> saying, I just want you to hug me and tell me that you're here for me and say, yes, that does yeah. suck. Sometimes it's all you need is a hug and just to know that they're there. Mm -hmm. Although I will say it depends on who is hugging me. <laughs> I, I, you know, like, I don't know. I know some people are just huggers and I always thought I was, and now I'm realizing I'm not really, because if <laughs> I was opening up to somebody at work, say, or somebody in the office about something hard, I don't really want them to hold me, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. my embraces, I, I save for just a couple people. I, right. So I think it depends. Sometimes I wouldn't mind maybe a little pat on the back or something. You mean you don't <laughs> want your male person to give you a hug, Josie? <laughs> yeah. My FedEx guy or my Amazon guy who sees me pretty much every day now. 
<laughs> no, yeah, I think, and even some family members, I don't necessarily want to have an, a long embrace. So I think it depends, but I think that's a good point. Sometimes you just need a hug and I'm not a hugger, but there are a lot of people that love hugs out there from everybody. So I think um, so you bring up something interesting too, about family, where mm-hmm. I think that I've heard this said a lot. And I'm lucky that my family is not like this. You know, my family, we talk about everything. We probably overshare, but I know that there are some families where they don't talk about their feelings. They just kind of brush it under the rug or move past it and they hold everything in. And I personally, I, I don't think that that is very productive, but I also know that that sometimes that's not really a choice. That's just kind of how it's done, you know? So neither of us are trying to judge anybody here. You know, we're just trying to open that dialogue. And, but I imagine for some people who feel as though they can't open up and they can't share their deep feelings with even their family, that must be really difficult. I don't know if you have any experience with that or. Oh, for sure. I think a lot of times in my family and a lot of people in my family, we just kind of don't talk about that stuff. And Sometimes I think it depends on the person. I think some people just don't want to talk about it Mm. and you don't want to push anyone to talk about it, but then maybe some portion of that could be due to toxic positivity. So for example, maybe you learn not to talk about those things with some people because you know that their response is going to be, that's all fine. You'll get through it, you know, Mm. and that's not what you want to hear. So I think it depends on the person, but I think if you're somebody who's generally open with your feelings and if you don't feel like you can talk to family about them, maybe just considering why that is. Maybe that you don't like their reaction to it because if you are somebody who likes to share their feelings and you think somebody's reaction is toxic positivity, the best thing to do would probably be to address it with them and just say, I know you think this is helping and maybe you don't know how to say it, but what I would love is if you just gave me a hug and said, this sucks. let's eat ice cream or, you know, I I think being open with them about how it makes you feel is, is key. I actually take it back. So my immediate family, we share a lot. We're like Mm -hmm. a bunch of preteen, you know, stereotypical girls at a sleepover, (laughs) just as awkward, (laughs) but some of my extended family. So we had a little bit of uh, a family situation where one of my aunts, she didn't want to be part of the family anymore. And she took herself out of our the equation of family. It was almost like we didn't talk about it. It was really interesting. And I think that it really hurt a lot of people and the people who were open to talking about it, uh, at least the people I had conversations with, it almost felt, you know how people say it's good to prune a plant. It almost felt like that because basically when you're pruning a plant, you're taking away the parts of the plant that are decaying or, Mm. or I don't know how to explain it, but I know that pruning is good because it makes a plant grow faster and more healthfully. I have no green thumb, but I think it has to do with then the good parts of the plant can take in the water and the sun instead of fighting with the parts that are dying. Yes. We'll go with that. (laughs) I think I I kill every plant by accident, but that's okay. I keep my animals alive. So that's good. (laughs) You can't have it all. So, but anyways, it, you know, it felt hard. It was, you know, a painful, sometimes embarrassing. There were these conversations that nobody's prepared to talk about, but the people that I was able to talk with afterwards, I think that we were able to get through it and recognize that, you know, we've done our part and, you know, that we still have so much love for my aunt, but 
we can't let her decision burden us anymore whatever's going on with her and you know and I I love her and I feel for her but whatever negativity that she's putting forward whatever you know that's a part of the plant that's pruning a part of our you know family tree and so we kind of have to take it away so that it doesn't so that the rest of us can nourish and keep going and I still know that some of my family members just didn't want to talk about it and you could still could hear in their voices you could see in their expressions you know looking at photos or talk like if the memory came up that they still cared for her very deeply and that they they were so hurt by it and so Mm -hmm. sometimes I think you know it's anything it's any kind of growth is gonna be is usually gonna be pretty painful yeah and that that brings me to the next quote that was that I found that's a form of toxic positivity. It kind of reminds me with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So after experiencing the loss of someone, mm-hmm. so it could be like what you're talking about, a family member kind of exiling, exiling themselves, or it could be a bad breakup or death. And somebody says, everything happens for a reason. What do you think about that? That one really made me kind of stop because I have said that a lot mm-hmm. and thought it was productive. But when I read something that said that can be toxic, I kind of was halted and I was like, oh, I I didn't expect that. So what do you think? Everything happens for a reason. When is that toxic? Wow. I'm actually really surprised to hear that because, right? Because you do think, oh yeah, duh, everything happens for a reason. Life keeps going on, blah, blah, blah. Um, I guess I, I can see also if someone loses a parent or something, the last thing you want to say is everything happens for a reason. Right, exactly. I mean, or even a, a parent who loses a child, that's incredibly devastating. And Exactly. Sometimes, I, I guess when I think of it that way, when I think of something just so painful mm-hmm. to that extent, I could see how saying everything happens for a reason would be harmful. Definitely. So maybe that's where it lies. Maybe it just depends on the level of... But, but then I struggle with that too, because the level of pain you experience depends person to person. For example, there are people who have a bad breakup and yeah, it's a bad breakup, but then there are people who have a bad breakup and actually feel suicidal from it. So I think everyone's kind of got a different, they're on a different spectrum of reactions to pain. Pain feels yeah. different. So I don't know. I really struggle with it. I'm trying to think of the last time I said that. I, I really can't remember that everything happens for a reason. Uh, mine would probably be losing a job. Uh, not me, but I think the last time I said that to someone was when they lost a job. And I said, well, everything happens for a reason. And you'll probably find one that you like even better now. Is that toxic? I think maybe that's something that you could say when that person is on the other side of it they're on the other side of healing. So Mm -hmm. when something first happens, losing a job is a great example. I, around this time last year, I was furloughed from my current job that I was really excited to have. Uh, And I really felt like, you know, I was getting my career together and I had been chosen for this job. And it just felt like it was a much more positive experience for me. And then I was furloughed and then I didn't work for like four months. And then I was let go at that moment, when I, you know, realized that it was no longer a possibility to go back to that job, if somebody had said to me in that moment, everything happens for a reason, I probably would have wanted to punch them and be like, well, the reason you got hit is because you're a jerk. <laughs> Did I say that to you? I'm sure. No, no, <laughs> no, no, I was actually thinking, oh, shit, 
I wonder if you were the person I said that to. No, I don't think so. But I mean, I think we go through, people go some, through some really hard things. And mm-hmm. if you're willing to explore it, and like, I know somebody who recently lost a loved one and they're taking grief counseling. And mm-hmm. so they're taking these proactive steps to become, be, be able to handle it because that's a big thing to lose somebody that you love. And, and there are a lot of life events that are really big and really detrimental and really devastating. And you need to take those steps in order to get to the point that you can be on the other side of it. And not, not that it's, you know, you're sad now you're happy, but that you can accept it. And it it doesn't become your entire life. And I'm speaking from a place where I've been lucky that I haven't had too much devastating grief. So of course, if there's anything that I'm missing, I don't mean to, I just, I don't know. But I think if somebody, you know, if somebody is able to get through something really difficult and then you can see how, you know, it's still something, I, I love this thing I read about grief, about how you can remember somebody, keep them alive in your memories. You know, they're never really gone and the grieving never stops. It's just that you, you accept it, you know? Um, but I think once someone gets on that other side where they're able to continue their life and it's not the main po- focus, I think that's when you can say everything happens for a reason, you know, there's a right time and there's a wrong time and you want to wait until they've processed and gotten through the bad part of what they're dealing with instead of saying that immediately. But that kind of goes back to the whole idea of toxic positivity that you need this time to feel what you're feeling. You need to be able to express it and to let it out and to recognize it. Maybe that's what the whole point of toxic positivity is like all these things, you know, oh, it'll be okay, or it's not Mm -hmm. that bad, or things could be worse. Yes, logically, that is very true. Things that could always be worse. But you don't want to say that to someone who's hurting, right? Yeah, because there's no point in that. That doesn't help them knowing that somebody, you know, down the street might also be in pain. It doesn't really make you feel better. Yeah, if anything, it's just kind of like, who the fuck are they? I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> or it could be more depressing because yeah. I'm in a lot of pain and somebody says to me, oh, someone else has it worse. I'm like, that's sad. I don't want someone to have it worse. You know, that, that doesn't make me feel good. So there's this doctor. So uh, her name is Dr. Jamie Zuckerman, mm-hmm. and she is a licensed clinical psychologist and trained cognitive behavior therapist. She was saying that sometimes what happens is when you try to shut somebody up or if you do use toxic positivity as a way to, you know, quote unquote, help them, she is saying that often that can encourage secondary emotions to appear, which includes shame, guilt, or embarrassment. Um, Trigger more emotion. Yeah. Because someone could be like, oh, I am wasting my time talking to you about this, or you're right. I'm being selfish, you know, because I shouldn't talk about this and things could be worse. And so it just makes them feel even worse. Yeah. Well, I could see that because if you feel guilty or you feel shamed for feeling how you feel, then you might think that you're wrong and that Mm -hmm. everything you're feeling is wrong, but you have a right to be upset. Have you ever experienced that yourself? Like, have you ever been upset and somebody they're not necessarily listening to what you're saying and they're just like oh yeah that's too bad you know but it'll be okay you know there's always a light at the end of the tunnel definitely and the thing is I know that person is coming from a place where they think that 
that's helpful. So I, I don't, I know that they're not doing it harmfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely I could think of one person in particular, very near and dear to my heart, even live <laughs> with the guy that does it to me <laughs> all the time. But I know he's trying to help, but I've said to him, I've been open to him when he, when he does that to me. And I've said, you know, that doesn't help. That, that just makes me feel worse. It makes me feel misunderstood. It makes me feel, um, I hate saying this. It makes me feel crazy because I I don't like saying crazy. I feel like it's a pretty derogative word, Mm. especially when it comes to mental health, you know, but it, but it can make me feel like that for the lack of a better word. And I've told him that said, it makes me feel misunderstood and that you're just not listening to me. So not validated. Yeah. And he usually is very um, receptive to it, but still happens because that's just how he kind of approaches things. And sometimes he, even when things are bad or stressful, he laughs Mm. and that triggers me because I'm thinking, how can you laugh right now? This is upset. And he's like, I'm sorry. That's how, what I do when I'm nervous. Mm. So I wouldn't say it's gaslighting. It's an accident. I've also had similar experiences with my partner and I don't think he really got it until I put it into an analogy. I told him it was like, I'm knocking on your brain's door, asking you to let me in. And you know, I'm there, but you're not answering the door. And so I knock even louder and you still don't answer. So then I start yelling and then I start screaming. And all I want you to do is open the door and acknowledge that I'm there. Right. And it's like, instead of opening the door, they're sliding food through the mail slot out for you. <laughs> That's what Here's I'm a thinking. Slice of pizza. Yeah, the, like shut up. Here's some ice cream through the mail yeah. slide. You know, and you're like, oh, I just want you to open the door and give me a hug, or open the door and say, "That sucks. You hurt your hand from knocking on the door." You know, you want that. <laughs> you want them to understand, right? Or just open it and see that you are there. Mm-hmm. You know, and just just see you. I think a lot of people yeah. just want to be acknowledged and to be seen mm-hmm. and to be heard. That brings me to one more form of toxic positivity. So the last saying is happiness is a choice. A lot of people will say that to someone who might be sad or expressing how they feel depressed and they'll talk to them and say, happiness is a choice. And that is toxic positivity according to this article. What do you think about that? Hmm. I think it really, it boils down to how you approach something. I think that's really where the choice lies. I don't think that you can force happiness. I think that you can find things that make you happy and that you can you can do things that will give you happiness. You know, like we know that exercise, you know, increases your levels of dopamine or your endorphins. Um, and I think that there's a lot of things out there, but I also think that sometimes, sometimes it's just a band-aid. If you're really struggling, I think the only thing that can really heal it, cliche as it is, is time and processing it. People always say, oh, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. And no one ever talks about what it's like being in that tunnel and getting to that light. And of course, it's a dark place and it's scary and it's uncomfortable. You know, if you think that you're actually in a, if you're actually in a tunnel, the ground might be wet or it might be, it might smell mildewy or it might be cold. And so that process of getting through there, yes, okay, there is a light, there is hope, but you have to get through something really difficult and you have to experience that in order to get to that light. Yeah, and that's exactly where my mind went. 
happiness isn't so much of a choice. I think Mm -hmm. striving for it is, or how you strive for it is. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you could choose, I'm going to be happy or not, because you have to feel the way you're going to feel. But I think that the choice you do have is how you feel it or how you go about going through the tunnel. You know, are you going to be somebody who walks through that tunnel? Are you going to take breaks? Are you going to run and sprint through it? That, I think that's your choice. It's not happy or not happy. I can choose today. It's I can choose today how I'm going to try to pursue happiness. It's work to be happy. You, you might never experience it the same way someone else does or whatnot. I think it's just the journey, even though that's a little cliche also. <laughs> it's the climb. <laughs> Right. I'm like, oh, I always hate saying journey because I have to write a lot of wellness articles for work. And when I'm writing them, I always find myself wanting to write, you know, follow your journey of whatever. And I'm like, stop saying journey. (laughs) Not everything has to be a journey. Right. Sometimes you just want to sit and chill. And and I mean, right back where you were saying too about if you run through a tunnel and it's wet and sloshly, chances are you're going to fall on your ass. Sometimes you you have to go slow. that's your choice. (laughs) Yeah, that's Your choice is, do you want to get up or do you not? That's the choice you have, but I don't think you have a choice on what's at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to, so like I was talking about this, um, this licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Zuckerman, she was also saying that humans can't select which emotions to feel at a whim. And she was talking about how, if you don't let them out, you know, that's just going to become even worse where you're just going to be holding in so much more. And it's just going to keep burdening you deeper and deeper, heavier and heavier. And she says, allowing yourself not to feel okay involves accepting all feelings, thoughts, or sensations and sitting with them until they pass. If you try to avoid, suppress, or ignore them, they will only grow stronger and leave you overwhelmed and believing that you cannot cope. And it was really interesting too, because there's also these facts about how the brain will then start processing. So if you start to swallow up you know, these bad feelings, instead of letting them out, your brain will start to respond. Something is going to respond because obviously it's not a good feeling. It's not a good thing that you're dealing with. So something's going to respond, you know? So your brain's going to be like, well, I guess I'll deal with it. And what happens then is that your body will still have reactions because your brain is freaking out. So your brain could start telling your body to, oh, you should, you know, you want to relax. So you might have over tiredness or you might have a faster heartbeat or you may have sweating or shallow breathing. So by avoiding the pain, it only makes everything worse because you're just, you're closing it all in, but it has to escape. It's going to pop. It kind of goes back to breaking the stigma with mental health. It's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. And I think toxic positivity kind of makes that more of a struggle. And then she was also explaining how there's long-term effects too, you know, that it can affect your sleep cycle and it can, you know, some people turn to drugs or they turn to, you know, abusing alcohol or anxiety or depression or PTSD. Like there's all these, you know, it's not that if you don't have that reaction in the moment, it's not like you're saying that you're not going to have any reaction. You will have a reaction. It's just a matter of, okay, is this a reaction that I can work with? Or is this a reaction that my body is just going to have on it, you know, and I'm just going to kind of be the passenger for the ride. That's a great point. And 
thinking back to when I've experienced toxic positivity, it, it does make me more inclined to reach for a bottle mm-hmm. and try to nurse my feelings. And since that person didn't give me what I needed, maybe this glass of wine will, maybe this martini will, or mm-hmm. it will just help numb me for tonight so I don't have to process. Right. And I know that sometimes some of the hardest conversations I've had have had given me the easiest answer. Sometimes it's really shitty to get through it and it's really hard to be vulnerable and open and honest. But then afterwards you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was just saying, like at the beginning of the show, you know, I shared something really personal and that was really hard. My hands were so sweaty that I, I knew like I had trouble like moving on my computer screen, trying to collect my notes because I just, I was so nervous sharing this personal side of myself, you know, with an eating disorder. But like I said, I got through that and I feel, I literally feel as though a weight has been cleared. I feel open and I feel Mm -hmm. like there is hope for me. And I just, I don't know. I think Mm -hmm. that that's really important to remember that finding the right person in the right zone, the right place to share. That's so important. Yeah. When we first started researching this topic, I was actually a little nervous because, and I know you you said this earlier in the mm. episode, um, you're a naturally positive, bubbly person. That's how people see you. But people tell me also all the time, not that I'm bubbly, I usually get quirky, mm-hmm. but people tell me at work and um, a lot of other friends will say, oh, you seem like you're always happy. You're just a very positive person all the time. So I'm wondering when it comes to this topic, since you're seen as a positive person too, how how does that make you feel? Because I was thinking, oh no, like me being this positive person all the time, I wonder if I'm saying wrong things to people by having a good mindset. I think it really comes down to the people who really know you. And I've been told too, yes, that I'm a very positive person. And I think that there is the professional me, there's the public me, but then there's the real me that, you know, with certain people, I just feel really comfortable getting Mm -hmm. deeper with. And um, for a while, it's so interesting that you say that because I never really thought so much about, (laughs) this is just me being so self-absorbed, but I didn't really think, oh, do people see me as too positive? I was thinking more, oh, I hate it that some people see me as too positive and they tell me I'm like stupid, happy character from some television show. You know, that's really where my annoyance Mm -hmm. lies. I think it really matters to the, it matters who you want to be able to connect with. You know, if a stranger thinks that you're happy and positive, great. If your coworkers think that you're happy and positive, that's great. I think though that the situation, that's what matters. If the situation Mm -hmm. warrants that, you know, that you get a little bit more, I don't even want to say that you're not being positive, but if you just get a little bit more real and that you're able to have a constructive conversation and Mm -hmm. that can really help somebody and that can really help you, you know? That's so true. I think you said it right where you said we kind of wear many hats. So Mm -hmm. some people like my coworkers, for example, are among the group that are always say you're so positive and so happy all the time and so funny. And then when I tell Todd that he's like, huh, you're not positive all the time. You're angry all the time. But at home, I'm wearing a completely different hat than when Mm -hmm. I go into work. And then when I'm with friends I'm comfortable with, I'm wearing a completely different hat than I am with family or with strangers on the street. So 
I, I definitely see that. I think that's a good point. And, and I think like I alluded to in the beginning, there's a difference between being a positive person. I think that's a good thing to be a positive person, mm-hmm. but still knowing when it's the time to not be positive. Or maybe knowing, maybe more acting positive instead of saying positive, if that makes sense. Acting Mm. positive means, you know, like actively listening or putting away your Mm. phone, you know, leaning in. And you're there for them. Yeah. And that is positively Mm -hmm. acting versus positively saying is like, oh, you'll be fine or another day, another day, you know, or whatever. And I think it's really important too, you brought this up earlier about how you're able to tell Todd when he's not being there for you. And I think that that's really important. And I think that that's, that's positive acting. That's encouraging Mm. your relationship to grow because I know I do that for my relationship. And even in the last few months, like I can already see a difference. And I think that that kind of comes up to some of the information I read about some tips of what you can say either to somebody who needs you know, to hear that they are being validated, or if you yourself need that, because we all, you know, we all deal with bad feelings. We all deal Mm -hmm. with devastating Mm -hmm. actions. And so Mm -hmm. before you get into your tips, before you do your tips, I have one more, I have one more food for thought question and tip time. Let's do it. But I feel like if we go into tips, it'll be too late for me to say this. (laughs) We'll just cut it out. We'll edit out. Question. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I was reading an article by psychologygroup.com mm. and it was kind of going back to where the term toxic positivity came from or where this mindset came from. And it seemed to be alluding to that it came from the American culture overall. Oh, And then it brought out this question that I want to ask you. Okay. Do you think that some of us try to be more positive and maybe fall into toxic positivity because the American culture values people that are positive more so than people who are not. Hmm. That's so interesting. I do think that in American culture for as messed up as we are sometimes, um, I do think that there is a lot of happiness or there's also, you know, the be mindful, you know, and kind of telling people what they should be doing instead of even in the last 10 years, I think about how people have been so honest sharing, you know, mental illness. And I think of as things become more comfortable and more talked about in the public, it becomes more comfortable to talk about with, with your close loved ones. And I even think about the American dream, like the classic American dream when it started, Mm -hmm. right? It was very much white picket fence, woman at home, mm-hmm. happily making a pot roast and with her apron and her heels. You know, that's kind of what I think of when I think of the quote unquote American dream and how it used to be. I know it's yeah. changed a lot, which I think is great. Um, but I wonder if maybe some of it kind of stems from that. And I, I can't talk towards men really, but I would say as a woman, I feel valued more when I'm positive. I think people like to see a a woman who is warm, if you will. Mm. And then I think perhaps, and I don't know, obviously, but perhaps from a guy's point of view, the toxic positivity might come from the fact that a lot of them grew up hearing, eh, you're fine, walk it off, everything will be good. Mm -hmm. So they kind of got used to not feeling. So I don't know if some of those traditional values started some of that, but I I thought it was an interesting thought, I guess. 
so yes, as a woman too, I, I think that women in particular have been conditioned to, to be nice and to make things nice. You know, even when we are awkward, even we are, when we are uncomfortable. And of course that can be really detrimental to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to this other podcast called my favorite murder. And one thing that they always reiterate is you can always apologize later for being rude because mm. a lot of times perpetrators will go after somebody who that they think will be easy to take over. And a lot of mm. times the people that they take advantage of are very sweet people who are just trying to be helpful. They want to, you know, they want to help the person who quote unquote has a flat tire And I actually changed my behavior because I think that for a long time, I was a bit naively sweet. And, you know, it's really hard Mm. sometimes because you want to be friendly, but you also have to think of yourself first. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being safe, choosing to be safe. Like they Mm -hmm. always say in my favorite murder, you can always apologize later. If your gut is telling you that this is a bad situation, Mm -hmm. get the hell out of there. You can apologize later. Yeah. I'm guilty of being too polite. I I will be polite to, if if they're a stranger, even if they're creepy, mm -hmm. I tend to be too polite still because I feel awkward. Well, and isn't that kind of a a form of toxic positivity that we're doing to ourselves where we're saying, oh, it's okay. It won't be bad, you know, and we're covering up our gut feeling. And Mm -hmm. more often than not, our gut feeling knows. I never thought of, can you be toxic- toxically positive to yourself. I think we can. There's a lot of times where we feel uncomfortable, but we keep pushing past it. You know, and it's one thing to feel uncomfortable when you're exercising and you're really pushing yourself. Okay. That's a different level. But then that's a completely different factor when say you're alone, you know, you, maybe you're surrounded by people that you don't know, or that you don't trust, or, or maybe, you know, it's late at night and you just, you know, there's, and it's unfortunate that we have to talk about that, you know, but there are situations Mm -hmm. where if you don't feel comfortable, it's okay to get out. It's okay. You don't have to respond. If someone is trying to talk to you and you get a bad vibe, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to talk over your gut feeling. That's a good point. I think I needed to hear it. I don't know if anyone else did, but (laughs) I need to stop being so damn polite. I know. And that's a hard thing because I think that is, I think kind of back to the whole American dream. We Mm -hmm. also, like, I think of, um, I love this movie. It's called the Truman show. And so basically Mm -hmm. the premise of the story, if you haven't seen it, is this guy's life has been recorded his entire life. And it's basically a television show, you know, called the Truman show based on his life. Um, It's like the first form of reality TV. And he doesn't know. Yeah, he has no idea. And so everybody is programmed to be, like you said, that stereotypical white picket fence, perfect lawns, everything is just so happy and cheerful. And it starts to wear him down. I think a lot of times we think that we have to be polite because we think that that is the right thing to do. If somebody is being rude to you or if they're being insulting or if they're being creepy, you don't have to respond. Like you can just walk Mm. away. Maybe you'll never see that person again anyway. Mm. And then if they are actually just a genuine person, like you said, you can always apologize later. Exactly. Sorry, I was looking out for myself. (laughs) Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong for looking Mm. out for yourself. Right. It can wear you down. I think a lot of the times I feel exhausted after 
let's say if I go to a get together where I don't know a lot of people, which hasn't mm-hmm. happened in a long time, but I used to. Right. Um, afterwards, I feel exhausted from almost trying to be happy and make small talk and be super positive the whole time. Versus if I go to a get together with my close friends, I'm relaxed. Mm -hmm. So I think it can wear you down trying to be so positive and just be this person that everyone likes. Even I know, I mean, this is kind of a sensitive topic, but even sexual harassment, that's something like I I've had experiences with that. And I think I've been like, oh, I don't want to think about it. It's creepy. It's uncomfortable. And I just keep pushing it away, pushing it away, but it's still there. I still need to process it. And so that's where it, like, I know that I've seen a therapist for that. And that's been something that has been so helpful, like getting through it and processing and recognizing that you did nothing wrong. It doesn't matter what you said. It doesn't matter what you wore. It doesn't matter if you said yes to one thing, you know what I mean? And I think that Mm -hmm. that could be another extreme force or extreme example of toxic positivity, where it's not necessarily you're saying anything positive necessarily in the words, but you're trying to cover it up that you're trying to be like, oh, I got away. I'm fine. No, I'm fine is not finite. You're not limited to that experience and what you're feeling. There's so much more to explore and it's, you know, you should be able to explore that. So true. So what are your tips? (laughs) Well, on that note, (laughs) oh my goodness. I'm I'm thinking we're going down a dark hole. I need to hear some tips. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So here are some things that you could say to somebody who is struggling. So you can say it is okay to not feel okay right now. You can say you should feel whatever emotions you want to feel. Take your time. I am here with you and I am listening. You're allowed to feel this way. Your feelings are valid. I like your feelings are valid. I I don't think I've ever had someone say to me, your feelings are valid, but Mm. I like that. That's powerful. I'm going to have to use that to somebody next time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things you should know, and you would hope that people would feel that way, but mm. they might not. Valid just is another word for real. And if you're feeling something and you're real, then your emotions are real. So for things that, you know, say that you're the one who is dealing with something and someone isn't listening and isn't really able to comfort you, here are some things that you can say to them. Right now, I just need to talk about what happened to me. Can I count on you to listen? Thank you for caring. It would be best for me to sit with my negative emotions first before I try to look on the bright side. Or what happened to me really hurt. I like to acknowledge the sadness before I try to move on. That's powerful because if somebody said that to me, I don't think anyone said that to me. I, I would, I would not even know what to say. I'd, I'd be like, well, that's very wise. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave you to it because that sounds very healthy and I need to go do that myself. Yeah. And it just really goes back to that whole thing where sometimes you just need to sit. If you are a soup, sometimes you just need to stew and then you come out tasting great. (laughs) Yeah. I might need dinner. Pasta sauce. (laughs) I'm thinking about when I make my pasta sauce, the longer I let it sit, the better it is. So, <laughs> you know, it. you know, we're hungry when we start turning toxic positivity into food. One more thing that I really wanted to share was, um, so this woman named Tracy Clayton, she shared this tweet 
I'm curious, if you're comfortable doing so, post a picture of you that you have shared on social media where you were actually having a really tough time in your life, even though you look perfectly fine in the picture. Like within hours, people were retweeting, people were liking it, people were commenting. By the end of it, there were over 500 retweets and over 250,000, or excuse me, 2,500 likes. And a lot of people were sharing, you know, pictures of themselves where they're like, you know, if you look closely, you can see that I was just crying, but here I am smiling. Or some people were uh, posting pictures of them and they, you know, they were like, I just visited my mother's grave, you know, so it was a really interesting experiment because I think that's another element of it too, of the toxic positivity is that we post so many happy things. I know that I do this. I post so many happy things on social media, but Sometimes I'm just doing it because I'm sad somewhere else. And I just want that validation Mm -hmm. online to distract me. I've actually gotten away from that lately. I haven't really been posting a lot on social media because I felt like I needed a a break, a mental break. But Mm -hmm. I've definitely posted, I think, some of my prettier, if you will, selfies when I'm struggling. I Mm -hmm. like something that comes to mind is in the past when I've had a terrible breakup, then all of a sudden I start posting all these photos with all my makeup done and filters because I just want something to make me feel better. When in reality, I was probably up crying all night and barely got out of bed. Yeah, exactly. And this article that I was reading too, it was saying, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting that validation. It's just that that shouldn't become your only source of happiness. You know, that shouldn't become the bandaid over the wound or, you know, like we said earlier, the the glitter over the wound, you know, it's just another aspect. And I I love this glitter thing. I know. I just love that. Who said that again? Oh God, you're going to make me go all the way back to the top of my notes. It was a My Wellbeing community member, Joanne Davies. Say it again. Toxic positivity when you're seeking help is like showing a doctor your open wound and having them sprinkle it with glitter. Yes. It's so good. Struggling to struggle. If there was ever a second coming on Monday, it's right now. Right? (laughs) Oh my God, Josie, this is hard. And now it's time to share what's helping us get through the week. What's offering us comfort, distraction, laughter, and all of the above. It's time for... It's time for... Recommendations and Observations. Recommendations. Observations. Recommendation time. I am so excited for this week's recommendation. Okay. And I really hope that we don't have the same. No, you go first. I always go first. Okay. My recommendation this week is the audio book. And it's also a book book, a written book. It's called Heart Sick by Jesse Stevens. And it kind of talks a little bit about toxic positivity So this woman, it's a nonfiction book, but it's written like a novel and it follows these three different people. And basically it's all about heartbreak and how these people feel after being heartbroken and just the real rawness of that. And it's just written really well. And I'm actually, I'm listening to it. 
I'm listening to the book on Audible, which is really different for me. I haven't done that in years. And it just feels more intimate that way. It makes me feel as though I am living this experience with these people. So it's just a different experience for me. So, you know, my recommendation is, you know, either listen to a book on CD, on tape, on Audible. If you do need one, a recommendation, Heartstick by Jesse Stevens is amazing. Mm-hmm. So what's your I love Jesse Stevens too. I, I love her. And I love audiobooks, to be honest. Does she narrate it or is it just another really good narrator? Yeah. So she narrates the book and she just has a really good voice for it as well. I sometimes I don't like it when people try to make the characters have different voices. I know some people do like that, but personally, I'm not really into that. And she does not do that. And so it just, depends on the book. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, Josie, so what's your recommendation? Oh, I'm so excited for this. And it's so dumb. So something that's getting me through the week, or at least the second half of the week, is that season two of The Circle is on Netflix. And Chloe from Too Hot to Handle is in it. Oh my God, I almost did recommend this. But I knew it. (laughs) I was like, oh, she's going to go first because I I have a backup, of course, just in case, because I knew you'd be watching it. (laughs) And I was thinking this is going to be hers for sure. It's so good. It's definitely helping me get through the week. It's just, it just came out yesterday. So it hasn't been there as much as the Audible book, but that's why I said second. I was like, "Mm, second half of the week. But as soon as it came out, I just was diving in. Oh my goodness, Josie. But it's so good. And Too Hot to Handle, I think, is having a season it's, two come I out at some are. point. So. These are my guilty pleasures. Oh, Josie, they're so good. <laughs> I was, yes. You have no idea. I was so excited for that. It's like the circle, the circle, the circle. The circle. I know. All right, everybody. Well, that concludes our episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in more of Type A for Anxious, you can find us on Instagram and on Facebook. You can also reach out to us at typeaforanxious at gmail.com. So thank you again. Bye. Bye. Do you have anxiety or something you're currently struggling with? Send us an email if you'd like to share, anonymously or not. You can always reach out to us at typeaforanxious at gmail.com or give us a follow on Instagram. We might just have some advice or a similar experience to share. Remember, sharing is caring, and we're here to listen and validate. This has been a Living Room production, supported by our patient husbands and our furry friends, supplemented by wine and snacks. The views represented in this show do not reflect the companies that we work for. These are our own opinions. But thank you for listening, and until next time, love your type A girls, Dorothy and Josie. You know, it's like, if you are a soup, sometimes you just need to stew, and then you come out tasting great.